Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit which dwells within each of us. And we pray now, Lord, that by your spirit you'll illuminate these words to us. Help us to respond rightly to them. And be at work in us for your praise and for your glory. Amen. It's only 34 days now until Christmas. Some people are nodding because uh, they are as excited as I am. Some people are sort of cowering away. It's 34 days till Christmas. Not long until we can sit around the TV and hopefully see our Queen give that speech at 3 o'clock, the highlight of Christmas. Well, this morning we begin a new series thinking about Christmas. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about Christmas so early uh, in November? Well, I thought it'd be really useful for us to rather than condense Christmas into that couple of weeks, to open it up and be thinking about it now so that it's in our minds what Christmas is all about as we head towards that season. I think that'd be really helpful for us as we engage with people in conversation about Christmas. But I love Christmas. What do you love about Christmas? Getting together with family. Time off work. Yeah, absolutely. There must be other things that we love about Christmas. Celebrating Jesus' birth. Yeah, brilliant. For me, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. I think they're amazing. The, the different colors, the way that they can sparkle or they can sort of fade and transition between uh, each. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in London for a study week and I was able to walk around London when it was dark and I walked around Regent, down Regent Street to see those huge angel lights that hang over the street. Amazing, amazing sight to see. But what I love about light Christmas lights is the way that they pierce the darkness. Any light does that. Um, you can leave your plug in the wall at night and it's got a tiny little light on. But that tiny little light will illuminate the whole room. Light pierces darkness. And this morning, uh, that's what we see in Isaiah. Just before our reading, we read these uh, words at the end of chapter 8. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. That's the situation we find ourselves in here in Isaiah. The people are in darkness. There's deep distress and anguish. There's gloom uh, that the people are living in. It's a picture of our world. We live in a world that is dark, both spiritually and and morally, there is distress and anguish and gloom all around us. We've seen that, haven't we, this past week with the bomb that went off in Liverpool. We see it in Parliament at the moment all the time with scandal after scandal coming up. We see it all over the place in our world. We live in a dark world. But we know why it's dark the world is dark because we live in a fallen world. It's a world that has rejected God. It's a world that has sinned. 
But this is the great thing that we see in Isaiah and that we see throughout the whole Bible. There is hope. Darkness isn't the end. Something can be done about this darkness. And this is what we read. First of all, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. There's a time where gloom will be replaced with glory. Isn't that amazing? Gloom will be gone and glory will be in its place. And it's not just for Israel. It's for the whole world. Galilee of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are all those who aren't Israel. It will be for the whole world. This hope is for the whole world. There'll be a time when darkness will be replaced with light. Verse 2 tells us the people will walk in darkness, who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light shines. I think the NLT that we read from slightly misses the point of the, the verse here. And so let me read it from a different version. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So confident is Isaiah in the, promise, in the promises of God that he writes as if this has already happened. But as we'll see in a moment, this light is Jesus who won't come for another 700 or so years. But such is the confidence that Isaiah has in the promises of God. He writes as if it has already happened. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this is the thing about this light. It's a light from outside. It's not a light from within the earth. It's a light from outside. People uh, look for answers to the darkness uh, all over the place. In human wisdom, we see, it, we see a problem in the world. And so we try and fix it uh, with human wisdom. So jumping back to um, chapter 8, verse 19, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? As I say, don't look to the world and human wisdom to try and fix this problem of darkness in the world. It can't. We need to look beyond that to something outside that. And that is this light. And this light comes from outside. It is God who acts. He is the one who sees the darkness and brings this hope and shines this light into darkness. Verse 3, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavenly burden, the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. God is the one who keeps 
his promises. You'll remember uh, his promise to Abraham that he will be father of many nations, that nation after nation will be blessed through him. Jesus said in John's gospel, there are sheep, not of this sheepfold, who I need to bring in. The nations um, are brought in by this light. This light comes not just for Israel, but for the whole world. And people will rejoice in this light. They will be filled with the gladness of harvest. They will be filled with the gladness of a victory that has been won. And the mention of Midian takes us back to Judges and to Gideon. And you'll remember the story of Gideon, um, how he had this number of people in the army which, which was reduced right down to 300. They were completely outnumbered against the enemy. But God said that is the number uh, that is to go into battle. And they won the battle. Although it wasn't them who won, it was the Lord who won the victory. And so that's what we see in these verses in Isaiah. This light comes and dispels the darkness, not from within itself, but it is God who comes and acts and brings the light into darkness. And we're told uh, who this light will be. This light, verse 6, is a child. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child is born, a son is given. And this child we know is Jesus. And we'll see more of why that is the case in a moment. But here is this idea of a son being given. It is, it's, this is the Messiah. God's promised king will come. And he will bring about this victory. He, he will be the light that shines in darkness. It is Jesus, God's Messiah, who left the glory of heaven to be born as a child. To become like us. We read that in Hebrews 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. That is why Christmas is so amazing. God became one like us. And so we can echo those words of the angels as they appear to the shepherd, shepherds in Luke's gospel. I bring you good news of great joy. Christmas is good news that brings great joy uh, to a dark world. Because Jesus comes as the light who brings life to all who believe and so what will this child be like this son that is given we're given four names that describe uh, this child who will have the weight of government on his shoulders what will this king be like and we're told uh, that he will be wonderful counselor later on in Isaiah 28 29 uh, this also comes from the Lord of hosts he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. This child that is born, Jesus, is wonderful in counsel. He is perfectly wise. Psalm 32, 
At verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Jesus, who is perfectly wise, who is wonderful in counsel, guides his people. He instructs his people. He knows what is best. He knows what is wise. And don't we see that throughout the Gospels, uh, the way that Jesus interacted with people? Often we uh, hear and read that after Jesus had spoke, the people were amazed at what he said. Jesus knows all things. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our needs. He knows what is best for us. He is wonderful in counsel. Isn't that what the world needs? The wisest of all counselors? He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. This speaks of his power. He is infinitely strong. He is mighty God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is mighty God. We've seen that throughout Colossians as we've gone through that letter, that Jesus is God. This child, this son that was given at that first Christmas, he is mighty God. He's truly God and truly man, as one scholar puts it. And don't we see that again throughout the Gospels? We see Jesus' might and power and authority over sickness, over nature, over disease, even over death. He recreates. He gives people new limbs. He restores people's sight. Jesus is mighty God. He is the infinitely powerful one. He restores all things as they were meant to be. Isn't that comforting to us? That Jesus is not only wise and wonderful in counsel, but he is also mighty and powerful to be able to do something to be able to act, to be able to do something about our needs, to do something about the darkness of the world. In our house, when um, a jar of pickles or something needs opening, the, the children bring it to me because they know I've got the power and the strength to open this jar of pickles. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus is the one who is mighty and powerful, not to open a jar of pickles, although I'm sure he could do, but that he is able to do something about the darkness in our world. He's not only wonderful counselor, he's also mighty God. He's also uh, called everlasting father. This is not to say that Jesus is the father. The father is the father. Jesus is the son, the spirit is the spirit. What this is saying about Jesus is that he is father-like in his love and his care and his compassion for his people. And so in John 14, 18, we read, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also live. 
On that day you will realize that I am in my, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. This title of Everlasting Father speaks of Jesus' father-like love and care for his people. It reminds me of that hymn, Father-like, he tends and spares us well our feeble frame. He knows. In his hands he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. Jesus cares for his people. And so not only is Jesus wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, he's also prince of peace. This uh, child, this son that is given, uh, the Messiah, Jesus, is the one who brings peace. He brings true and lasting peace. And so in Isaiah 11, a few chapters on, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a wonderful picture of peace? And it's a peace that Jesus brings And it's a peace that is everlasting. He is the Prince of Peace. Again, further on in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Lasting peace between us and God between one another comes because Jesus died on that cross because he was pierced for our sin he is the one who brings peace he is the prince of peace and we can know that lasting peace when we put our faith and our trust in him Jesus is wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace he is the one who is uh, wise powerful loving the bringer of peace and so this light that shines this child that was born on that first christmas he comes and shines his light into the darkness of the world and as this light comes this light brings life At, at christmas we Uh, tend to give gifts Uh, and for it to be a good gift we spend a little bit time working out what would be the right gift for that person and so because we know that person we know what would be a good gift for that person and so this gift that God has given to us it is a good gift for us because he knows us and he gives us the gift that we all Uh, want and need it is the gift of light that brings life and this gift is not something that we need only but it is something that this town and this whole world uh, needs 
the light and life of Jesus. What do people need to do to be part of this light? Well, Matthew, in his gospel, picks this up, these verses from Isaiah, which help us to answer that question. And so after Jesus has heard that John has been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. And we read the same words that we read here. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, uh, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations, of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. They're the words that we read as Jesus withdraws uh, to Galilee, to the Gentiles. Uh, and this light comes. And Matthew is speaking about uh, those verses saying this light is Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Verse 17 of Matthew 4 from that time on Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near what do people need to do to be part of this light they need to repent and believe that's what Jesus taught the Westminster, Westminster shorter catechism question 87 gives us a good definition of what it is to repent Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. What is it to repent? Repent is uh, to turn away from sin. It is to turn away from the sin in our lives and turn to Christ and follow him. And so Jesus went and preached, repent and believe. To be part of his kingdom, we need to turn away from sin and turn to him as savior. Have you done that? Have you turned from your sin and turn to Christ? If not, don't wait any longer. Do it today. Turn to Jesus, uh, to the light, and find life. He is the one who dispels the darkness of sin. Turn to Jesus and walk in his light. For us that have have repented, have turned from sin, and are following Jesus. Don't take for granted being part of his light. Don't take it for granted. We've seen in Colossians how we battle with sin and were to put sin to death. So yes, we initially repent and turn to Christ, but there are sins in our lives which we need to get rid of. We need to turn away from them. And so we ask God, by his spirit to help us uh, to do that as we walk in the light of Christ. Sin is a battle and we must get rid of it. And some sins are easier to deal with than others. But we must be in prayer asking uh, God to help us uh, turn away from those sins as we walk in the light of Christ. 
in all the busyness of Christmas, as we enjoy uh, all the Christmas lights around us, let's not forget what Christmas is really all about. It's about God's gift to the world. Jesus, this child, this son that was given, who came as the light of the world to bring life. Let us hold this light of hope out to the world this Christmas. And let's pray uh, that God will bring more people out of darkness into the glorious light of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gift to us of Jesus. Thank you that he left the glory of heaven to become like us in order to save us. Thank you that he is wonderful counsel, a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you for the light and the life that he brings. Help us as your people uh, to continue to walk in that light, to continue to turn away from sin as we turn to live at those lives of righteousness. Help us to do that by your spirit. And Father, give us boldness this Christmas time to hold out this light of hope to the world around us. For our friends and our families and our neighbors who do not yet know you, Give us courage to proclaim uh, the good news to them. And be at work in their hearts, we pray, Lord. Give them ears to hear and hearts to respond to Jesus, the light of the world. Build your kingdom, uh, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.